0: This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Funding for Egedet the Epistle on Repentance, is provided by Isaac, son of Devorah Mindel. Lessons in Tanya the Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg.
1: So we are page 1025, third paragraph. Now today we discussed the discussion amongst the latter... Kabbalist or the, or the, the latter Musar sages, discussing the fast that the Arizal, the greatest Kabbalist that ever lived, the fast that the Arizal gives, and does he mean you have to fast every time you sin, you have to fast that set amount of fast days, or is it enough to fast once, or the consensus is to fast three times, and we discussed last time at great length, based on the Rebbe's father's comment, that on the Alter Rebbe, the explanation, the reasoning behind these three different opinions, why you would say you only have to fast once, why you would say you have to fast each and every time you sin, and the consensus is you have to fast three times. Okay, now we're up to page 1025.
2: However, all this applies to the strong and robust, whose physical health will not be harmed at all by repeated fasts as in the generations of yore. But whoever will be affected by many fasts and might thereby suffer illness or pain, must forbid as in contemporary generations. Is forbidden to undertake numerous fasts, even for sins punishable by accepting a the restitution.
1: So there is a discussion in the code of Jewish law. We know that in Jewish law, we don't own our bodies. Is a rule, a principle in Judaism that. We don't own our bodies. It doesn't belong to us. I know we're all American. <laughs> and we have our rights. And it's my life. And it's my body. And I'll do whatever I want with it. But this is not a Jewish concept. In Judaism, we have no rights. All we have are privileges. Life is a gift. Our body is a gift. Everything we have is a gift from Hashem. And therefore, you're not allowed to tattoo yourself not allowed to damage yourself. But it's my body, I want to do what I want. It's not your body. We are entrusted. We have to take care of it. We have a mitzvah, an obligation to take care of our bodies. Take care of our bodies because we are entrusted. We have the responsibility. You have to be healthy, you have to take care of it. So even if a person says, I give you permission to hit me, you're not allowed to hit him. You don't have permission to hurt yourself you can't give me permission to hurt you your body doesn't belong to you so you're not allowed to hurt another Jew even if he gives you permission to hurt or to embarrass him humiliate him or to cause him any grief even to deny him food and he can't do it to himself you don't have the right to hurt yourself the exception is if you do it in order to do Teshuvah, if you're fasting in order to do Teshuvah, so even though you're causing your body pain, it's painful, but nevertheless, the reason you're fasting is because it's a favor for you. You're saving yourself. You're saving your soul. You're saving yourself. So therefore, even if someone can't fast, he's weak, and he can't fast, it's a difficult for him to fast. He's harming himself by fasting. Not only it's inconvenience himself. It's more than inconvenience himself. He's actually harming himself. But you're allowed to fast. If you know that it's saving your soul, it's saving yourself, so you're making a compromise. Okay, I'm hurting my body, but I'm healing my soul. Just like you go pain, undergo painful procedures. How are you allowed to go, undergo painful procedures to save you, save yourself for your health? Because I'm saving myself. So yes, I'm doing something painful. But I'm saving my soul. My soul is sick and I have to heal my soul. And then he continues. What if a person could fast? He's not harming his body. He's just inconveniencing himself. It's painful. It's inconveniencing himself. But he could do it. See, even if he's not doing it for the sake of Teshuvah. He didn't sin, he doesn't have Teshuvah. But he wants to cleanse himself. To reach, he wants to come close to Hashem. He wants to connect with Hashem through fasting, as we learn in chapter 2. Through fasting you can come, come close to Hashem. Nothing to do with sin, even if you didn't sin. So you're allowed to do it. Because again, you're doing it for the sake of your soul. This is the code of Jewish law. Here the Alter Rebbe says that you're not allowed to fast since you can fast. Since we're weak, our constitutions are weak, we are much weaker generations. Like someone once described the difference between our generation and the older generations. He says, in the older generations, they had stomachs of stone. They can eat anything, and they had heads. Their mind, their brains, were made of silk. The finest, finest thought process. Because today is the reverse. We have stomachs made of silk. <laughs> we have heads made of stone. It's a different constitution. It's a different world. So when the constitution was healthy and strong. And it doesn't harm him. Like in the earlier gener- generations, there were not only spiritual giants. Because there were spiritual giants, they were also physical, physically strong. Today, we have such weak constitutions. Because we're spiritual midgets. So we also have our, our physical constitution is a reflection. The material is just a reflection of the spiritual. So therefore, fasting will harm us. It can lead to sickness. Or even if it's not sickness, it can lead to pain. She says, God forbid you should fast. You're not allowed to have, do all these fasts. Even for tshuva, even for the sins of Christus and Mrs. Besner, the, the most severe prohibitions through which we learned in chapter 1, you fast in order to hasten and facilitate Hashem's forgiveness, Hashem's atonement, Hashem pr- uh, triggering Hashem's bringing upon you pain and suffering to achieve atonement. Even that you're not allowed to do. What do you mean? It says in the Code of Jewish Law you are allowed to, and here the Alter Rebbe says you're not allowed. To. So the emphasis is in these generations. You know, in the olden, in the olden times, what was primary was the soul. People, their self-identity was their soul, their spiritual well-being. Their bodies were secondary. Their body was like a shell, a container. It was there to contain the soul, but the soul was primary. So therefore, a person was ready even to sacrifice his body but my soul is getting healthy. It's like you undergo a painful medical procedure, but you're getting healthier. So I'm sacrificing my soul. Yes, I'm not just inconveniencing myself. I'm actually hurting myself. But as I'm hurting my body, my soul is getting healthier and stronger. And the soul is primal. So therefore, you're allowed to sacrifice the body for the soul. Today it's not the case Unfortunately it's not the case Today what is primary is our body Not our soul We struggle to even Acknowledge our soul Access our soul become aware of our soul But our self Our identity is more tied up with our material With our body Our comforts Our creature comforts And therefore You can't and he says you're not allowed to harm your body. And although it would seem that that would deprive us of our cure, of our spiritual cure, if we sin, especially he says sins, the most severe prohibitions that come with a death sentence. If you tell a person they are not allowed to fast, then you're depriving him of this healing. He's supposed to live with his illness, spiritual illness, for the rest of his life. So the Rebbe explains that impossible. You can't say that God who creates the world each and every moment and the whole world was created for the Torah, You can't say that the world, that He created the world for the Torah and then He made it impossible for us to live up to the Torah. He gave us the Torah and the Torah says you have to fast in order to achieve Atonement. And then He made it impossible for us to fast because He he created us with a weak constitution. That's impossible. And therefore you have to say that we're not being deprived. We're not lacking anything. When the Torah says that you can't do something, what the Torah is telling us is you don't need to do this. Because you can accomplish the same thing through other ways. Whatever fasting would accomplish today, with our weak constitutions, we can accomplish through studying Torah, through joy and like he's going to say later through tzedakah we can accomplish whatever fasting accomplishes we can accomplish that without fasting when the Torah tells us don't fast you're not allowed to fast the Torah is not depriving us of anything God forbid because the Torah the world is being recreated each and every moment brand new how is it possible Hashem should create a world a situation, circumstances that are completely unfriendly to the Torah the Torah says you have to fast and God created us in an impossible situation where we're not allowed to fast, we can't fast if Hashem put us in such a situation that we can't fast it's because we don't need to fast today's day and age you don't need to fast And that's what the Bal Shem tov completely discouraged fast today's day and age is not for our day and age That's not our approach. Fasting, torture, self-immolation. This is not our approach. Our approach has to be with joy. And through joy you can accomplish a lot more than with tears. We see when you cry, you're very moved. But when you're joyful, when you're dancing and you're joyful, it moves you even more. It, it elevates you to a whole different place. It takes you to a whole different level. Suddenly your heart is open. you open to change. You're receptive to change. You want to change wholeheartedly, willingly. It just opens you up, stretches you out. It, it, it's through joy you can accomplish much more than through. So if Hashem does not put us in a situation which doesn't allow us to fast, you can accomplish Whatever needs to be accomplished through fasting, we can accomplish without fasting. So through joy, to studying Torah, it says if you study Torah, Hashem counts as if you've offered a sacrifice. So by studying Torah, and what we're doing right now, we're studying the letter of the shuvah. By studying about shuvah and learning about shuvah, that alone, Hashem, Hashem considers it as if as if we've done. So by learning about fasting, Hashem considers it as if we've fasted. But so the Alter Rebbe is very strongly discouraging. He wants to make it very clear that this is only for talking about a healthy person and the earlier generations. And of course, those exceptions. There's always exceptions to the rule. We know the Rebbe himself fasted all the time. The Rebbe was a big faster. I think the previous Rebbe tried to discourage him often, but the Rebbe fasted very, a lot. And that's known. So, you know, we're not talking about exceptions. A person who's physically in our generation, but spiritually speaking, he belongs to another generation. He's from an earlier... you know. But the Torah is speaking about the whole, the majority. This is not an approach for our generation. Through harshness, through fasting, through breaking your body, breaking yourself. This is not the approach. As the famous word of the Ba-shem-tiv, the Tov said, every mitzvah in the Torah, in addition to being a very practical physical mitzvah, like everything else, everything in the Torah is a lesson in life. It's not just a mechanical rule. But every word, every letter, every story, especially every mitzvah in the Torah is really a lesson in life. Why should I care about this rule? What if I never stumble upon this rule? It's not... Yet every mitzvah in the Torah is applicable to each and every Jew. If not in the mechanical, in the physical sense, but in the spiritual sense. Why I should care about this rule, how it teaches me how to live. So there's a mitzvah in the Torah. Torah says, mitzvah 80, in Mishpat, Torah says, that if you see, your friend's donkey, is overloaded, don't abandon him, help him out. Help him unload his donkey. So his donkey shouldn't collapse. His donkey is in pain. Help him unload his donkey. And now she brings that there is two exceptions. The exception is an elderly person, and it's not dignified for him. He doesn't change flat tires. He doesn't change his own flat tire. You're not going to have a dignified person. You're not going to find him on the highway getting in his all fours and, and, and getting in his twos and, and changing a tire. Just, he doesn't, he's not a mechanic. It's, just, it's not dignified. So a dignified elderly person, you don't expect him. He's not Moshe schleppers. You don't expect <laughs> this dignified person suddenly to, to become a schlepper and to start schlepping things. That's not him. So if he wouldn't do it for himself because it's not dignified, then he doesn't have to do it for his friend one example Rashi gives where he's exempt another example Rashi gives or if the animal belongs to a non-Jew the Jew's animal is in pain so you have a mitzvah to help unload the animal but if the animal belongs to a non-Jew even if the package belongs to a Jew then you're not obligated the Rebbe explains, as the Vashem said, what's, what do we learn from this mitzvah? How does this mitzvah, why do we care about this mitzvah? How does this mitzvah help me live? What is it? So he says what this mitzvah is telling us is, when you see a donkey of your enemy, who is the donkey? And the Hebrew word for donkey is chamor. Chomer, which means your material self. You look, at, you look deeply into your donkey. You don't have to look so deeply. You'll notice that your donkey, your ego, your natural self is your enemy. It's your spiritual enemy. Your soul is yearning for holiness, for wholesomeness, for godliness, for goodness. And your animal soul is interested in indulgence and instant gratification, in material lust, the exact opposite of holiness and godliness. So your body is going to destroy you. If you just follow your body it's going to lead toward a self-destructive path. Addiction, self-destruction. It's your enemy. It's not your friend. It's telling you have fun. But but at the end of the day you're going to feel miserable. You're going to have fun for the moment but at the end it's when you look into into your body you'll see Senach hates you. So I would think what's the proper response? Let's go to war. Okay, you want to fight? Let's fight. Let me destroy my body. Let me... Let me put my body in its place. Let me start fasting. Let me start uh, self-immolation. You know, let me start grinding down my body. I'm going to show my body who's boss. So the Torah says, no, that's not a right approach. Help your body. Your body is not the enemy. Your body is a neutral it's a powerful force, but it's neutral. Your body wants to have fun. That's your body. Physically, materially, you're drawn towards. But Harness your body. It's a powerful energy. Educate your body. Harness it. Teach your body. You want to have fun? Don't run to Las Vegas. Come to shul. <laughs> now that's fun. <laughs> Teach your body. Educate your body. What real fun is. You want life, you want excitement, you want to feel alive, you want to feel vibrant, you want to feel energized. You know how you feel vibrant and energized when you plug into the source of life? To Hashem. You do a mitzvah, you feel energized. You study Torah, you feel energized. So you have to educate your body. Don't break your body. Educate your body. Transform your body from an enemy into a friend. And that's, what, that's the approach Al will be saying here. Don't fast. This is not the approach. Fasting is breaking your body, breaking yourself. We're very fragile. Today's, today's day and day, we're very fragile. That's not the approach of harshness and breaking. And today has to be sweetness, elevate, love with love, with joy. With, you have to elevate, you have to transform, not breaking. However, there are two exceptions. What's the exception? Zaken, the Einel is an elderly person. The rabbis say this is someone who acquired wisdom, and therefore his whole identity is his soul. So it's not. It's not. Honorable for him, the body is just their means to an end. So, for someone like that, who's such a high level that his whole being is his soul, he can fast. It's okay. Another case is behemoth when the animal belongs to the Nunja. Meaning, when you've sold your body the non-Jewish world when your body has become so coarsened and so crass that your body is like not Jewish you have totally surrendered your body sold it to the non-Jew but the package belongs to the Jew because a Jew will always remain a Jew so the burden is the Jew's because your soul is in pain. So when a person his body has become so unreachable that nothing that you do spiritually reaches your body. Your body is not responding. Because you've become so alienated from your Jewishness. You have become so distant. You distance yourself from your Jewishness that your body doesn't even respond to anything Jewish. Like it's like the body The animal belongs to the non-Jew. You've completely given surrendered your body to a non-Jewish lifestyle. A life of indulgence. The antithesis of godliness. And you no longer respond to anything godly, anything Jewish. You don't respond to reason. You don't respond to inspiration. Then, you have no choice. Then... The Torah says, don't work with the body, then you have to break the body. When you reach a point where you're so coarse and nothing can reach you, and nothing can touch you, then you got to crack through that arrogance. you got to, in such an exception, such a case, the Torah says, in that case, and th- these are the two examples of the code of Jewish law. The code of Jewish law states, a person is not allowed to fast. Your body doesn't belong to you. What are the exceptions? He gives two exceptions. And these are the two exceptions that Rashi says now. One exception is, if you sinned, and therefore you're fasting, even if it harms you to fast, but you're fasting because you you have to heal your soul. So you sin. The animal belongs to the Nanju. You've sinned. You've disconnected yourself. But the burden is is the Jews. Your soul is in pain. So therefore you fast in order to heal your soul. So even though you're harming yourself, you're allowed to harm yourself in that case. That's one exception. Where the Torah says in this case, ignore the body, harm yourself and fast. And the other example is, he says, a person who didn't sin. But he wants to fast because he wants to cleanse himself. He wants to elevate himself. He wants to draw even closer to Hashem. To, to create a deeper level of intimacy. That's what he means, zucking. He's an elderly person. He's a person who's acquired wisdom, who's so in touch with Hashem, so unified, intimate with Hashem, that he wants to reach even a higher level. Then he's allowed, to, he's allowed to fast as well. If he doesn't harm himself, but just he inconveniences himself, then he's allowed to fast. But other than that, the Torah says the body doesn't belong to you. You're not, you're not allowed to harm the body. You have to work with the body. But the Baal Shemtiv said that in general, and this is the Hasidic approach, and this is revolutionary, that although the Kabbalists emphasize fasting, and especially the the sages, the Musar sages, but Hasidis de-emphasize fasting. As the says here, you're not allowed to fast even to atone for the sins, for severe sins. Because it's going to damage us. The Rebbe explains that in today's day and age, if Hashem doesn't allow us to fast, He didn't give us the opportunity to fast. He created such circumstances that we're not allowed to fast, surely we're not missing anything. And just by studying about it, learning about it and through joy and through tzedakah we can accomplish everything that we could have accomplished through fasting we can accomplish today through uh, these other ways so how much more so you're not allowed to fast for the lighter sins for prohibition let alone a positive or a positive mitzvah continue
0: instead the measure of fasting is the personal estimate of what will not harm him at all for even in those early generations, in the times of the Tanayim and the I only the robust who could mortify themselves fasted so frequently.
1: We learned in those of, in the second chapter, the rabbis have fasted till their teeth turned black. They were healthy. They were robust. So they were able to.
0: But whoever cannot fast yet does so is called a sinner. In fact, say Ta'ani, uh, chapter 1. This applies even to one who fasts for specifically known sins as Rashi explains there. The very same author of the opinion that he who fasts frequently is considered holy because, as Rashi explains, his sins are thereby expunged. goes on to state that he is considered a sinner if he cannot fast, yet does so.
1: And he says, anyone who, it's difficult for him to fast, it's painful for him to fast, and fast anyway, is called a sinner. Although, as he's going to say, everyone needs an atonement. There's nobody who's perfect. Everyone needs an atonement. So if ev- everyone sins and everyone needs an atonement, so why shouldn't we fast? If We need that fasting for an atonement. And nevertheless, since it's painful, he says you're not allowed to fast. And if you do fast, you're called a sinner.
3: And was written in Tractate about them, chapter 1. But there is no one of Israel who is not guilty of transgression in a positive command. Thus though there are always sins for which one should pass, one should do so only if this will in no way impair itself. Otherwise he is considered a sinner. Especially if he is a student of the Torah, in which case he is doubly punished. For the weakness resulting from his past prevents him from studying Torah properly.
1: A person who has the ability to study Torah and by fasting you will deprive yourself of the ability to study Torah because you'll be too weak to study, then that's absolutely forbidden because you're neglecting your duty. Even when a person works, says if you work for someone, you're an employee, you're not allowed to stay up all night, fast, deprive yourself because then you won't be able to work properly, you won't be able to give it your all. When you work, you have to work an honest day's work. You have to give it your all. And we learned this from Yaakov, the patriarch. When he tells his father-in-law, he says, I worked so hard for you. I worked that during the day when there was the, the, the blazing sun. I worked at night in the freezing cold. I was faithful. I worked hard. From this we learn all the laws of employee-employee relationship. Because there's a responsibility. Just like the employer is responsible to the employee, the employee also has a responsibility. You're not allowed to take two jobs if it's going to harm your job. You can't stay up at night. You have, that's, one of the first, that's the first question that's asked after 120 years. Did you do business honestly? Did you do an honest day's work? So if that's true, when you're working for anyone, how much more so when you're working for Hashem? You have to put in an honest day's work. Hashem gave you the ability to study Torah. You're working for Hashem. So you have no right to stay up or to harm yourself and deprive yourself of that ability. So by fasting, you're going to weaken yourself. So what's the point of fasting if it's going to harm your studying Torah and filling your obligations to serve Hashem? Okay, so the question is, what do we do? We can't fast. And we have this hanging over us. How are we going to achieve this atonement? We feel sick inside, spiritually speaking. How are we going to achieve this atonement? We can't fast. What then is his remedy?
3: What then is his remedy? That is, what is such a person to do in order to be loved, be loved by his Creator as he was before his sin? He should comply with the verse that says, Redeem
1: your sin with charity. Daniel, Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar that he could redeem his sins with charity. And that's true of all of us. We can redeem our sins through charity. So if we can't fast, we can substitute the fasting with tzedakah. And indeed, continue...
3: And indeed, the codifiers of Torah law specified that one should donate the equivalent of 18 large Polish coins called the Polish for each day of repentance.
1: It says if a person can fast, so you can redeem the fast, you can substitute the fast by giving tzedakah. How much should you give? So this was written when the majority of Jews lived in Eastern Europe. In the 16th and 17th century, and using the coins they had then, it says you should donate 18 large Polish coins, called gidolim polish, large Polish coins, each day of repentance, which comes out in today's t- today's what today. Actually, just I just checked today. Oh. Per day. So if you do a sin, we learned earlier, if you do a sin and you have to fast 84 fast days and then 3 times 84, 10 times 84, it gets expensive. It doesn't pay to sin. It doesn't, doesn't pay to sin. And then he says, the wealthy should add to this amount to the redemption for each fast day according to his means. Because basically, the idea of fasting, the idea of substituting is when you fast, you're depriving yourself. You're hungry, you're depriving yourself. When a person has to stick his hand in his pocket and it costs you the cost of the meal or the cost, so it hurts you. But the rich person, you tell him he has to pay $15. Hey, bring it on, let me sin. What do I care? I'll, I'll, I'll pay it, I'll redeem it. And even, I'll even follow the opinion that each time you sit, you have to fast, uh, fast through all the fast days. It's nothing to them. Wow. The idea is it has to hurt you. Just like fasting hurts you, you feel the fasting. Right. So you have to give tzedakah. Tzedakah has to be painful. It has, you have to feel it. Yeah. If you don't feel the tzedakah, it means nothing to you. Till it hurts. What? You have to give till it hurts. Yes,
2: it's a good thing.
1: So for an average person to give $15 a day... Especially the Jews then. They lived in such poverty. And, you know, for every time you have a. You have to, you have to fast 84 times for wasteful emission every time. I mean, 84 times 15. That's the national
3: debt. <laughs> <laughs> Republican or Democratic one.
1: <laughs> so, you know, it, it adds up, it gets expensive. So he says, "A rich man, a wealthy person they have to they have to give according to his means, as stated in magna in the laws of fast it's basically two thirds of a silver, pure silver dollar you know we used when the we have to redeem the firstborn, so we give five silver dollars to the pure silver to the Cohen or the equivalent, which is Five silver, pure silver dollar. Five silver dollars is ninety-six gram. So today's today today's price, if you want to redeem your firstborn, it, it would cost you one hundred and twenty-six dollars and eight cents, to be precise. <laughs> A eighteen G'deulem Polish, eighteen large Polish coins comes out to three quarters of one of one coin of one silver, silver dollar. So that comes out to $15 and 13 cents.
2: Was the 18 Polish coins, because it's Polish or, it wasn't 18, doesn't that stand for pie, which is life?
3: No, 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 nothing
1: nothing to do with 18 life. It's just the, 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 right, the the value. Has to be the value. The value of, um, maybe it's the value of a meal um, or the value of a sacrifice if you had to bring a sacrifice and some say it's the value of a sacrifice if you had to bring a sacrifice you know so you have to pay for the sacrifice um, so it's nothing it just happens to be 18 that's not no, didn't
2: do with no,
1: no. who do you give it to you can give it to it's, it's your choice
2: Whoever you feel needs it, maybe it's have yeah. <laughs> That seems like an easy way out, though. Sinning. Mm. And you can redeem your soul by giving money.
1: This is on top after you do teshuvah. Right. <laughs> if you offer a sacrifice and you don't do teshuva See. it's not worth anything after you do the Shuvah. And we learn what Shuvah means. You're going to change. From now on, you're going to change. And not only this sin. You're never going to sin, period. Any sin. That's the basic. That's the minimum. Then, you have to bring a sacrifice. You want to bring a sacrifice. You want to complete your atonement. Or you want to to elevate yourself. Or you want to facilitate, fast-forward the atonement. Or in general, you want to elevate yourself. So he says then... Just like they used to bring a, uh, uh, a burnt offering. After you brought the sin offering, you bring a burnt offering. Because you want to get in God's good graces again. You want to restore that intimacy, that closeness to Hashem. Even once, once you've achieved atonement, but you want to restore that chemistry. The chemistry is gone. You want to reconnect with Hashem. And for that, you have to bring a burnt offering. And the substitute for that is fasting. And the substitute for fasting, since we can't fast today, so you have to give tzedakah. And give a lot to them. And you have to give the amount like, per day. Per day. And the, the Arizal was very generous in the amount of fast is You have to fast for each sin. You know, even the numbers we learned earlier. If you lose your temper, 151 fasts. If you skip the prayer, 61 fasts. Um, wasteful emission, eighty-four fast. and then the question is, every time you do it, so you may have to do it every time you do it. And Alte every says ten or twenty times. You do your math. How much is twenty times eighty-four?
3: Sixteen
1: eighty. Okay, times fifteen. Ooh.
2: Sixteen thousand twenty
1: four thousand dollars doesn't bait the sin. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's too expensive. <laughs> you have to every time you have to pay out. Believe me, you're not gonna you're gonna think twice. Not worth the price. You mind know how much money you can save by not sinning? <laughs> it's, it's a bargain. Not the sinners is a bargain. <laughs> <laughs> because why? Cause you get a tone for it. <laughs> uh, you have to ask the IRS. <laughs> because it hits home, you know. Money, money speaks. Money hits home. Fasting hits home because it's, it's a basic necessity. Eating, and if you don't eat, it catches your attention. Not something you can ignore. It engages the person, the whole person. Money engages the whole person. Your whole ego is identified with your money. You know, money is is your identity. So, if you give your money to tzedakah, it hits home. It Touches us in a in a very deep place. So that's why it achieves atonement. So it's the equivalent of the sacrifice you would have to bring, or so the meal you would have to eat. Nevertheless,
2: Nevertheless, though it has just been stated in the contemporary generations, when excessive fasting causes illness and pain, the fasts of penance should be substituted by charity. Even man of spirit, who desires to be close to God, to amend his nepesh, his soul, to restore it to God with the finest and most preferred repentance, should be stringent with himself he should complete at least once during his lifetime the number of fasts for every great sin, incurring death death at, la, at least, if only death in divine agency. For example, for wasteful omission, he should undergo the series of 84 fasts once in his life. Now
1: right. so, the Rebbe is saying a person who cares about his soul, a person who really cares about his soul, you're not looking to cut corners, you're not looking to... You know, you want your soul to be vibrant, to be healthy, to be strong. You know, there are people who care about their bodies. They go to the gym every day. Well, there are people who care about their souls. Just like you have to take care of your body. If you don't exercise your body, you feel the difference. A person, a Baal Nefesh, a person who cares about his soul, wants his soul to be healthy and vibrant. So he says, ideally, you should be strict on yourself. And at least once in your lifetime, you should do, do the whole set of fasts. For those sins, for those terrible sins um, that you are obligated, that it comes with a death sentence, a very severe prohibition. Even in the hands of Hashem, for example, wasteful emission. So once in your life, you should fast, the full set of fasts, 84. But to make it easier, he says
2: that he may postpone the fasts until the short winter days and fast some 10 days or less for example in one winter and complete the series of 84 in 9 or more years according to his
1: right so he's he's breaking it down you don't have to fast the next day the day after you sin it doesn't have to be the day after you can wait you can push it off till the winter the days are very short especially in Russia some parts in the winter the whole day is so short so you fasted it's considered a fast day all day. Hour no, hour no. Hour From a day morning hour. a day, a day fast. It's not day Yom Kippur. It's not Yom Kippur. It's a, it's a day fast, and that's considered a fast. No, he says again. You can do it ten over the whole winter. You don't have to do it one after the other. You can do it in the winter. Do it Monday, Thursday. Do it over the winter. Do it ten fast over the winter. So, so it's very easy. He's trying to make it as easy as possible easy as possible. So he says, and do it, over, do it over nine winters. You know, once in your life at least you went through this cleansing process. You went through this atonement. Once in your life, you did the fast. It's not really
3: related to the, the incident. Of
1: it, is. It, is. it is. It don't is. Forget, don't, forget, you, don't forget there's an you, opinion. Don't, write it down in your notebook don't forget there's an opinion that holds there's an opinion that holds that even if you sin many times All you have to do is fast once, and that's okay. There is another opinion that says, no, you have to fast for each and every time. So when it comes to giving tzedakah, maybe you should be strict, like the other opinion. Every time you sin, you have to give the equivalent amount of fast. (laughs) I think Chabad will get very rich. <laughs> every time everyone sinned, every time anyone lost the temper, every time everyone little sinned, they gave these amounts of tzedakah, oi, 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 we can pay off our mortgage. <laughs> um, but then, the, uh, the prevailing opinion is three times. But he's saying here, a person a Baal Nefesh, a person who really cares about his soul, the welfare, the well-being of his soul, at least once in your lifetime, For each sin, once in your lifetime, for the sin, a severe sin, once in your lifetime, do the fast. Don't forget, this is just for one sin. This is just for one sin, wasteful admission, even if it only happened once. Unfortunately, that may not be the only. (laughs) So, you know, you may have to get online. There's a whole (laughs) list of sins that we have to uh, fast for and atone for. But... um, And then he says, besides, he may also eat a little until about three hours before sunrise. And this will still be considered a fast if he so stipulated. This is a very puzzling statement because we know a fast day, a day fast begins With when you go to bed, when you go to sleep at night, that's when your fast day begins. You go to sleep, and the next day is a fast day. Public fast day. Or you took it upon yourself to fast the next day. Even if you wake up in the middle of the night, the fast day already begins. Unless you stipulate. Make a condition. I'm going to sleep. You set the alarm. I'm going to wake up. Then you're allowed to eat before dawn. Now the difference between dawn and And uh, sunrise, is 72 minutes. But not three hours. Where where did Al-Tarebi get three hours? Three hours before sunrise. Where does this number come from? Where does three hours come from? Based on what? What's three hours? Someone wants to say that maybe in Russia... Maybe there in the winter there's a three-hour difference between because there it's very early, and um, actually there's some some nights where there's hardly any night. Some some nights in Leningrad the whole night is like an hour or two. Mm-hmm. You know the fast goes on forever because <laughs> it's not it's not like by us it's like a 22-hour fast, so you have to you have um, an hour or two you can have a mitzvah and so dawn is very early so it's. Possible that there may be dawn between dawn and sunrise, it could be three hours, but others say it's factually not so, so it doesn't make sense, it doesn't explain it. Um, you know, the Rebbe discusses this, and uh, you know, maybe next time we'll uh, we'll, we'll discuss it how how the Rebbe tries to explain what the Alta Rebbe means when he says three hours because. And practically, we don't follow this. When it comes to a fast day, a regular fast day, you can eat until until dawn. Whatever it is.
2: It always changes.
1: You can eat until dawn. We don't. We don't f- three hours before. So what's this number three hours? What what, what is it all about? What's this all about? That's out of rights, sir. You can eat if you stipulate. Even when you go to sleep, you can eat until three hours before, before sunrise. And if you, if you stipulated, if you made a condition, it's considered a fast day. So therefore, he's making it even easier. Wake up before. The whole day is short. It's a winter day. It's a short day. Go to sleep. Make a, make a condition. Wake up three hours before dawn. Eat yourself a good meal and then you won't even notice the fast. It won't even hurt you. The al he's is trying to say, because our constitutions are so weak, our generations are so weak. So, you know, eat. You'll have the strength. And fast. And it's considered a fasting. So at least once in your life, you can say that you had the experience of fasting. You, you followed the Arizal's formula to offer, offer that sacrifice to ourself. And then he says,
2: for the completion of the above-mentioned 252 fasts, three times 84, this being the accepted yes, answer, the, to the above difference of opinion, so that when one undertakes three times the number of fasts prescribed for this specific sin, even if it was committed many times, he may fast another four times 84 only until past noon. This too is a common Jerusalem, considered a fast. In this context, moreover, two and a half days are reckoned as one full
1: day. The al says: the first, the opinion that everyone holds, you have to fast once. Unanimously, everyone agrees. The first time should be a real fast, a full fast. To follow, to fast each and every time you sin, that we don't do. But to follow the consensus You should fast three times So for the next two times What you can do is You can do a semi-fast What do you mean a semi-fast? You fast until noon A half a day fast Even though we don't really consider it a fast But the Jerusalem Talmud says You can fast for a few hours You can fast for a half a day It's considered a fast So therefore break it up For each fast day Break it up into two half fast days which is definitely easier. You're just fasting for a few hours. Most of us fast every day for a few hours. You know until, What? The was time 15, for breakfast, 15, right? 15 meals. 15 meals. <laughs> 15 meals. <laughs> so you fast. and You fast in the morning until noon. You break your fast, noon with lunch or brunch. So it's, it's doable. It's not so, it's not so far-fetched. You don't have to severely infringe on your, on your health. Definitely not infringe on your health. You don't even have to severely infringe on your... You know, and it's not so painful. It's it's pretty easy to do, and if you add it up, two half fast days it becomes one fast day. So then you can make up the number. So at eight, 50, 84 fast. You fast a full day. Again in the winter, short days. And to complete the difference, the other fast, the um, 168 fast. The other 168 fast that you'll break it up into half, half days and that you can also do in the winter short days, so the half a day is nothing you know, well, what did you fast a half a. so th- this is a program, this is not an overnight program, this is a 10 year program of fasting and that's just for one sin for wasteful emission if you've done it three times or more. He says, and that's for all sins which you've done that carry with it a death sentence. Thank God most of us haven't sinned such sins. But he says this approach should also apply to similar sins. What do you mean similar sins? Similar sins means those sins that don't carry with it a death penalty. But nevertheless, they're similar to these sins. Because the Talmud says that there's a few sins that are the equivalent of idolatry. Even though there's no death sentence about. that. But it's, the severity is the equivalent of idolatry. For example, it says whoever loses his temper, it's as if you worship idols. It says if a person is not kind, if a person is cold-hearted, doesn't give tzedakah stingy doesn't give charity the torah says calls him bleat the same language the torah uses for an, for an idolatry. so again it's also so th- someone who's arrogant it's the equivalent of idolatry so there's certain things that the torah compares to idolatry and murder So those things, as Al-Turabi is going to say later on in chapter 7. So those sins, which are the equivalent. So for that, you should also fast. Whatever the, ariso, the prescribed fast days of that Arizo. First fast, you should do a full fast. A full series of fasts. Full days. But do it in the winter. Wake up in the morning. Make a condition when you go to sleep. Wake up in the morning. Eat three hours before. You'll have the strength to fast and do it over nine years, or whatever amount of years you need. And then the other, two, the other two times, if you sin more than one, three times or more, then you can break it up into half days.
0: So now the Rebbe addressed himself to those sins which at least incur death by divine agency. The Altarevi now goes on to say that this approach also applies to sins which do not incur such a harsh penalty, but are similarly grave, similar sins such as those which are actually comparable to idolatry, murder, and so on, as mentioned in chapter 7 below. Concerning these sins as well, the Altareb is saying here, one should be stringent and undertake a required number of fasts at least once in his lifetime.
1: For each heart knows its own anguish and desires its vindication. What's he referring to? In the Code of Jewish Law it says... That what if it's onion kippur, and a person comes along and says, "I'm dying. I have to eat. I'm sick." The doctor looks at him and says, "You're not sick. Who do you believe? The patient. The patient. You always believe the patient. Jewish law states the doctor says he's not sick." The Nobel Prize winner, the f- most famous doctor in the world, the biggest expert in the world, looks at the patient and says, you're not sick. And the patient says, excuse me, doctor, with all due respect, I am sick. Who do you believe? You believe the patient. You know the story, uh, it was a very stingy Jew. Very wealthy, very stingy. And he was praying together with Rabbi Chaim Tzanz, Hasidic Rebbe. And it was on Yom Kippur, and the Jews started saying, I'm fainting, I have to drink, give me a cup of water, I'm dying, I have to break the fast. And the rabbis didn't know what to do. The rabbis said, okay, you want to drink, but we'll give you less than the amount. So to violate Yom Kippur, you have to drink a certain amount, and we'll give you less than the amount, so therefore technically you haven't violated the fast. We'll give you a few sips at a time. He says, no, no, you don't understand, I'm dying. I need to gulp a full, huge cup of water. Don't give me no sips. And they didn't know what to do. You know, the rabbi said, no, we have to give you sips. He says, no. So they asked the rabbi. You know, there's this tumult in the shul. The rabbi says, go, just tell him that it's okay. You can drink full gulp. Full cup, we'll, give you the, we'll find you the biggest cup we can find but for every drink that you drink, after Yom Kippur, you have to give the equivalent of gold coins. You have to fill that, gold cu- that cup with gold coins and give it to the doctor. We told him the Rebbe's solution. All of a sudden, miraculously, <laughs> he was no longer, he didn't need any sips. He was okay. He says, I'm feeling better already. <laughs> he says, he, says uh, he was cured from his illness. But the, if a person comes, the patient says, I'm sick. You believe the patient. There are many times that doctors can't even diagnose and notice. They don't know. They can't find anything. There's no symptoms. A doctor could only know from symptoms. He doesn't. But the patient feels himself, experiences himself from the inside out. I don't feel it. I know that something is wrong. And therefore you trust the patient. So he says, a person a lathe, the heart... This is a matter of the heart from the inside. The heart knows his bitterness. He knows his pain. So he knows that he's he's not kidding himself. He's being honest with himself. He knows that he's in pain. His soul is in pain. He sinned. Whatever the sin may have been, he lost his temper, he was stingy. And he just knows that even though it's not a penalty that comes with death sentence, but he knows that he, he's in pain. His soul is in pain because of this sin. Because a sin creates a scar it, it affects us. And he feels it from the inside. He's affected. He was tremendously affected by this sin. It shook him up. It disturbs him. And therefore he, he's restless. He needs an atonement. And until he fasts, he will never ever feel right. And he wants... Desires is vindication. So therefore, the Rebbe says that he's allowed to fast, and he should fast.
3: But this is this is an easy fast. In other words, so the, the, the anguish is a qualitative measure of the fast, right? Still, quantitatively, but still, it's fasting. an easy fast. But
1: still, the fasting is fasting. The deed is done. He fasted.
3: Right. I allah mean, is, is a fast. The point is, uh, you have to feel this anguish. Uh,
1: you know, otherwise, the fasting is too easy. <laughs> yes, no. but, if, but he's fasting for this purpose, and it's a fast, considered a fast. Allah is considered a fast. And allah, if the Torah considers it a fast, and he fasted, at least he can say once in his lifetime he did he did this full set of fasts. Mm-hmm. And he did it. And his sin is atoned for. It. Like he says, for anger you have to fast. We learn at the end of chapter 2, 151 times. So he did it. Once in his lifetime he did it. For wasteful admission, 84 times he did it. And then he made up with the, with the half a fast. So at the end of the nine years, at the end of the amount of years, he can say, I feel cleansed. I feel my soul has been vindicated. My, 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 my sin has been... And you will feel... You feel good, you feel healthier, you feel... That's what the Rebbe says. Alter Rebbe is saying as much as Hasidus de-emphasize fasting, but nevertheless, Alter Rebbe is encouraging that you should fast, at least the way he's describing, at least the way he's prescribing. And he's making it easy. Because again, that's not the emphasis. The emphasis today is definitely not fasting. The emphasis is tzedakah. the Emphasis is now.
3: So the fasting you Yom Kippur, that's a whole different uh, situation, right? Because
1: this is besides Yom Kippur these fasts have to be besides Yom Kippur nothing to do with M-kippah. no nothing to do. besides Yom Kippur and that Yom Kippur is only one fast you have to fast went. 84 times 84 Why? days so you, you don't have 84 Yom Kippur's in your life I'll you? would it's um, now there's different you
3: can't substitute for Yom Kippur
1: no now there are other types of fasting deprivations But does not involve physical fasting. It's called Tainit Dibur. You deprive yourself from speaking. You want to speak? You close your mouth for an hour. For some people, it's even more painful than not eating. (laughs) Different types of deprivation. But, but But that won't do it for this, because here we're talking about the sin was physical. The sin that you did was physical. You need a fast after everything is said and done. Al-Tarabi says the fast also has to be physical. Very nice. But you can't substitute the physical for something spiritual, for something abstract. You sin physically and the fast also has to be physical. To achieve this atonement, you can't keep silent for 84 days. It's not going to do the trick. It's very nice. Maybe a good idea in general. <laughs> but that's not, uh, that's not what's going to achieve this atonement. This set of atonement that Arizal prescribes means literally, physically fast. Like we discussed the other week, the Rebbe says it says if you go to a, a meal of a pidyan aben, the equivalent of 84 fasts of. Um, but still, you know, the Rebbe says he never saw any source of that in but we'll take whatever we can get. So, any angle we can get that we can achieve an atonement by eating eating at a pidyon aven, look, look, in the, uh, look in the newspaper when the next pidyon aven is, <laughs> and just run <laughs> and participate. We'll take whatever we can get. But the emphasis, the emphasis is not so much the fasting. That's why even this, after Rabbi prescribes you should physically fast, he says, take it easy. Wait. Don't choose to fast in August, in July. <laughs> Take the longest day of the year and I'm going to fast. No, no. Take the shortest day of the year. Don't do it one day after the other. Spread it out over the winter. Ten fasts over the winter. Short day. Before you go to sleep, make a condition, set your alarm clock, wake up, have a good meal. And but the idea is that you fasted. So once in your life you can say, I did it. I followed the reason." there's a person who's a, who's a person of a soul, who's soulful, who cares about his soul, the well-being of his soul, and sensitive to his soul, should do that. I'll recommends Do that. Once in your life at least your soul will feel better. From the inside out you'll feel better. And, and but that's not the emphasis. The emphasis is not today on pain and, and self, you know, self-immolation and uh, you know, masochism. That's not, that's, not, that's not what it's about. Today the emphasis has to be joy. The emphasis has to be tsudaka, The emphasis has to be... Because our bodies are weak. We're very fragile. Weak institutions. It can't come with harshness. That's not the approach today. Today's approach has to be with sweetness because it's too fragile, so easy to break. It's, you know, when you have a very fragile glass, don't break it, don't shatter it. In the olden days, they can handle it. They fasted until their teeth turned
3: black.
1: <laughs> they were strong, different constitutions. They were intense, they were powerful. They, were, they, were, they were. But we don't have that. We're fragile, spiritually. Mentally, emotionally, psychologically, and physically. In every <laughs> sense in every sense of the word. Except the literal. Spiritual. So you have to know yourself. And Hashem created us this way. Don't feel bad about it. Hashem created us this way. And that's why Hashem sent us the Bashamta and send us the Shemte, send us the, uh, the letter of the Shuva, send us the Altai and send us the Rebbe. To make shuva, the Rebbe took to Shuva, and he made it so accessible, he made it so available, he made the path to Hashem so available, the return home, he made it so pleasant, opening four thousand khabaras all over the world. He made the, the way home so beautiful and so pleasant and with sweetness and mm. joyfully and that a Jew can find his way home without harshness, without breaking. This is not the approach? i will just conclude the famous story with Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe lived very simply; couldn't care about materialism. At the, at the end, the end of his life, the Hasidim bought him a gift. They bought him a shmecktabak. It's a snuff box with snuff, a silver snuff box. Now the Rebbe said, there's one organ in the body that that, that doesn't indulge, that's the nose. So you want, you want me to indulge in the nose? I just didn't smell snuffbacks. So he threw out the snuff. And the way the story was told to the third Lubavitcher Rebbe, his grandson, he broke off the, the cover of the snuff bags. And he used it to see that, make sure that his tefillin should be straight. Because after the Rebbe would pray, he would go into ecstasy, he would bang his head against the wall, they had to pad the walls, uh, and no. sometimes his twillin moved, was not in the center, twillin has to be in the center. So he would use, he used it as a mirror, the cover of the snuff box he used to see, to make sure the twillin were in the center. When the Tsang Sadak heard the story repeated to him, he says, it's impossible. My grandfather did not break the snuff box. My grandfather could not break Anything. Anyway. What must have happened was, he didn't deny the story. What must have happened was, there was probably a pin that held the cover to the box. Al Rebbe removed the pin, and, but he didn't break it. And this is the whole Hasidic approach. This is what Al Rebbe is trying to accomplish. You get us at trouble. We're talking about a person who's already broken, a person who's sinned, who messed up, big time, royally. And he's broken. Now the Rebbe is lifting, lifting him up. You know, this, this is, this is the, the approach of the Baal He makes, He's making his way without breaking. You can accomplish a lot more without breaking. You can elevate a person. And then a person wants to change. And you want to make a 180 degree change in your life. And come closer to Hashem. It doesn't have to be harsh. It doesn't have to be breaking. It doesn't have to be stern and strict and, 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 and morose and sad and tragic. It's, it's, it could be joyful. It could be pleasurable, uplifting, inspiring. So this is the whole approach. And, and, but he says you want to fast? Fine. Once in your life, you want to go through the fast. You don't want to miss out. The Alizal says you need fasting to atone. To to substitute as a substitute for burnt offerings, fine. Once in your lifetime, do it. But do it gently, do it without without changing your mood or taking you into a dark place, into a do it. It's a nine year program. Do it. The shortest day of the year. A few days. Just do it. And you have it, you'll do it at least once in your life. You did it. It's good for your soul. It's beneficial for your soul. You sin physically. You also want to fast physically. Fine. But the whole emphasis, the whole approach is such a gentle, kind, sensitive, joyful approach. Positive approach. As the Rebbe says, if Hashem didn't allow us to fast because He didn't give us the opportunity to fast, because He didn't give us the Constitution we're so fragile, then it means we're not missing anything. Don't feel like you're missing. You can do it by studying Torah. You can do it by giving to the doctor. You can do it through joy. You can... And you're not missing out on anything. So this is, this is a very unique approach, which is custom-made for our generation. This is, this is what we need. This is what the doctor ordered. It's not skirting the issue. You want to achieve a teshuva. And not only a teshuva, a complete atonement. And not only achieve a complete atonement. You want to get back in God's good graces. You want to restore that trust. You want to recreate that chemistry, that connection. He says you can do it without harshness, without breaking. This
0: class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.